Well, good morning, and I'm really glad, even though there's a few of us today, I'm still so glad that um, we're continuing in the series, Created and Called by God. This is um, part four, and I think if the Lord allows, we'll have one more, but I really am um, really kind of moved and motivated to, to, to share with you this morning. Not that I am not on the other mornings, but... I just really am excited about this, and I hope you can. it comes out and the Holy Ghost allows me to communicate this properly. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you're speaking to my heart, and I thank you, Lord, that um, you're giving me um, a clear message. So, Lord, it's so clear to me, and it's, you make it so plain to me, and I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that right now you would get me out of the way, that it would be plain and it would be clear to those who are gathered in your name this morning, Jesus, to hear your word. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, get me out of the way. Give me your ability. Anoint me so that these words would be your words and not my own. That it's communicated in such a way that no matter where we are with you right now, whether we're true believers or, or whether we're, we're, we're brand new in the Lord or whether we've been uh, serving you and, and, and searching the scriptures for years and years, no matter where we are with you right now, Lord, that you would minister to us, that you would give us a word this morning, that we would leave here differently than when we came in. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And we're going to go right back to our, our foundational scripture again. I'm hoping that by now, through sheer repetition, you're, you're learning and understanding at least that scripture, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. Remember, walking worthy of the calling has been such a, an important point uh, to be made uh, through the first four weeks or first, uh, excuse me, the first three weeks and, and no different today. So I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There was one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Amen, amen, amen. Now, my brothers and sisters, Today we're going to start in um, Acts chapter 6. You can read later and check it out. I'll try to uh, summarize as best I can so we're not um, reading. But um, in Acts chapter 6, we find that the church is growing. The church is multiplying uh, very rapidly. And um, uh, in, in this particular instance, we've, we find that you know, some of the um, Hellenist uh, Jews or some of the believing Jews that were the Hellenists, the Greek Jews who became born again, who were believers, they, they was a, there was a little dispute because they felt like they were maybe not being served as, as well as the, the, uh, the Jews. Their widows and orphans and such weren't being served as readily. Uh, so it kind of uh, caused the first disruption in the church. So the apostles got together and they said that, you know, we can't be serving all of the tables. We don't have time now that the church is getting bigger and we have all of these needs. So they decided the best thing to do was to elect deacons and they elected uh, seven deacons. Now, De- Stephen, who we'll, we'll start with Stephen today. Stephen was a man who, uh, was, who was said was filled with the spirit and he was filled with faith and the spirit, and he was um, there. Was the, the Lord did mighty works through him? Many um, miracles and signs were done through Stephen. But now, as Stephen was doing these things and witnessing and, and walking according to his calling, um, there were a 
a group of Jews who were of the freedmen. These were Jews that were from some of the, the cities that were the freed cities. And uh, they disputed with him. They challenged him because they, they were challenging in him his faith in Jesus Christ versus Judaism. And when, when they challenged him, Stephen was able to defend the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ very well. And he did it so well with such wisdom that they became frustrated. And what they did was, because they couldn't dispute him, dispute his wisdom, they went ahead and they got some people, they riled the people up and they got some people to make some false accusations against Stephen, saying some things that he never said and so on and so forth. So they ended up um, bringing him to the leaders. They bound him and brought him to the leaders and, and had these false witnesses uh, produce these false um, statements to the council. So Stephen gets his chance to testify. And when he starts to testify, what Stephen does is, now remember, he's testifying to the same council, the same leaders that Jesus had to stand before. When he's testifying, what he does is he takes their belief, their scripture, Judaism, and he starts with Abraham, goes through Moses, David, and Solomon, and then brings them to Jesus. And he says all of the, and just line by line, and, and, and action by action, just showing them how their whole faith taught them that this one Jesus was the one that they were looking for. They didn't take that very well. I want to read to you, listen to me, in Acts seven fifty one through 53, here's what it says. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. As your fathers did so, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. So look, he says, you didn't even recognize the coming of the one who was promised to you, just like your fathers did, and they, they killed the prophets. You killed the one that was promised to you, and, and you know what? I, I, this line stands out to me. You have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. So it's not even just in a, uh, the situation where they just did not receive Christ. They weren't even keeping their own law, but they charged the people to do it. Amen? They were furious, and they, the Bible says they gnashed their teeth. They ground their teeth. They were enraged at Stephen, and they gnashed their teeth at Stephen. If they were Italian, they would have did this. Like my grandmother used to do, mm, I kill you. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I better not be making any more hand gestures because sometimes it might get me in trouble. <laughs> but, you know, but, but anyway, all that to say that they were enraged and they were furious and they showed it. They gnashed their teeth at him. And, and Stephen, they, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looks into heaven. And as he's looking into heaven, he says, I see heaven open. And the Son of Man, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. And they began to stone him to death. And they stoned him to death. And as he's, before he dies, he says, Father, don't hold this sin to their charge. Forgive them. That's amazing. I'm going to read to you then again from chapter 7 of Acts, verses 57 and 58. And then we'll get started. They cried out with a loud voice, stop their ears. And him, and in one accord, they, they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. So that's going to be our subject today. In, in, I'm going to read again to you now, and it may be up on Acts 8, 
Now Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men, women, committing them to prison. Saul, who we know after he got saved, he became Paul. His name was Paul. So who is this guy, Paul? In Acts 22.3, it says, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, our father's law, excuse me, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. This is Paul confessing himself. This is Paul speaking of himself. So I want to remember now, the platform that we're jumping off of in this point is, okay, who is Paul? Who, Who is he? So we're going to hear his own testimony about who he is. Again, beginning there, I'm indeed a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. Now that's modern day Turkey. That area that he's talking about, Tarsus and Cilicia, that's in Turkey. I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia. What, What is he saying? I'm a Jewish, I'm Jewish, just like all of you. Remember, in this particular situation, Paul is actually defending himself. But he's saying, I'm a Jew, but I'm born in this city. In Acts 21.39, it said, I'm a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia, which is an important city. See, what Paul is saying right now is, look, I'm, I'm a Jew, and I'm a citizen of Tarsus uh, this is an important city. This just isn't the bird. This, is, this isn't, you know, that little uh, on the other side of the tracks thing. This is a city of reputation. This is a city of, of, of circumstance. This is a city that, that is not, not anybody just comes from. This city has impact. This city is, is impactful. You know, it'd be like saying, uh, well, I, I'm not going to say because I'll tick somebody off. So let's just say. Acts 22 and 25, it says this. But Paul said to the centurion, who, was, who stood by him, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Now remember, context, Paul was now uh, in bonds. He was arrested uh, basically for his own um, safety and he was being carried off and they were going to flog him to, to get the truth out of him or to get him to tell a serious story because he was being accused of so many things. But Paul says then to this Roman centurion who's guarding him, is it lawful for you It wasn't even lawful for them to bond him or to bind him up to arrest him without any formal charges. But he says, is it lawful for you to whip a Roman citizen? So here again, we don't know exactly how Paul got his citizenship except that he was born into it. So that means that he didn't buy his citizenship or he didn't trade uh, the Jews and become a Roman by trading against his own people or anything like that. So, you know, there's some, some say that possibly his family bought their citizenship, but it also could be because he comes from this city. So that's why there's, there's consequence. This, this, the, the, the possibility that he's from Tarsus and Cilicia, it, there's a consequence to that. The consequence is he makes his boast about it. I'm, a, I'm from no mean city is how it's said in the King James. I'm from no mean city. I'm not from a common city. And now he's saying, I am a Roman citizen. I'm a Jew, but I'm a Roman citizen. But then also look what he says, bought up in this city. 
What, 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 what's this city? Jerusalem, because he's being right now, he's, he's in Jerusalem. So he's saying now, I was brought up in this city. I am from this city, but brought up in this city. Why? Because he's speaking to the Jews. And as far as the Jews are concerned, Jerusalem, is that's where the presence of God is. That's an important city and still is to this day. And God has said it's an important city, hasn't he? Amen. That's why I want to tell you, because what our president did by saying we, the capital needs to be brought in, that's why people are so upset and other people are happy because Jerusalem is very much a city of consequence because God made it so, didn't he? Absolutely. So my brothers and sisters, that all in and of itself is an illustration as to what, what happened 2,000 years ago when Paul was saying, I am from Tarsus in Cilicia. Well, he's saying that's a city of, of consequence. It's an important city, something that should get your attention, that should make a difference, just as we can today say Jerusalem is a city of consequence. It should get somebody's attention, and it has. So, so you see, we can relate to that somehow when Paul is making this statement. He also says in, in Acts 22.3, I'm going to remind you, this again is Paul, I am an, indeed a Jew born in Tarsus, city of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law. So, so, so look what he's saying. I, I, I'm at the feet of Gamaliel. I was brought up in the city. At the, I've got the best education. And to them, that means something. Why? Because that was, the, that was the school. That was the private school of the private schools. That was the university of the universities as far as the Jews were concerned. Are you with me? So now look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm from a city. I'm a Roman citizen. I'm, a, I'm a, a Roman citizen. I'm from a city of consequence. I'm not from the other side of the tracks. Uh, I grew up in, in a circumstance where I went to the best private school you could possibly go to. Pretty impressive. But when Paul preached, 23.6, but when Paul perceived that one part of the Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men of brethren, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, and the son of a Pharisee. So now, this is important. Why? Because when he was studying on, on, at the feet of Gamaliel, what was he learning? He was learning all of the Jewish law. He was learning everything that, that he needed to learn and became a Pharisee. He's from a lineage of a Pharisee. His father was a Pharisee. The Jewish leaders, they, they led them you know, socially and legally in their... Are, are you with me? So you see what, what Paul is, is, is laying it out for us pretty good, who he is. He's a person of good circumstance. He's a person from a good family with a good education from a, a city of consequence and to be known. Again, back in um, 22 and 3, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus, city of Cilicia, brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God, as you all are today. He says, I, I was zealous toward God. I was zealous. Why, he stopped being zealous toward God? No. He's saying, basically, you can relate to me. I can relate to you. I was zealous for God. But look at what he says. I was serving God. He's, he's defend, in the, he was defending his religion. If you look at Paul's circumstance and, and, his, and what he did prior to his, his uh, transformation, prior to him accepting Christ, he was doing everything that, that's why that word was. 
He's not talking about the things that he's doing now. He's talking about the things that he did. And when he was serving God before he was born again, he truly was serving God according to what he knew. He was zealous for God. He was defending his faith. When he was going after the Christian church, he was actually defending his belief system. He was defending the law of God. He was doing it sincerely. He was doing it heartily. Are you with me? He had status. He had stature. And he was doing what he was supposed to do with vim and vigor. He was zealous for the things of God. To further, we also have Paul's own confession about himself in Philippians 3, 5, and 6. Here's what he says. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So you see what Paul is saying? Now, I'm comparing Paul. Let's think back where we were last week. Gideon, a man who was created and called by God. Gideon was totally opposite. Total contrast. When God called him, Gideon said, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. I'm the smallest guy from the smallest tribe. I'm of no circumstance and no consequence. As a matter of fact, God, here I am in this wine press hiding from my enemy so I can have some food to eat. <laughs> right? Come on now. Totally opposite. Now, Paul, is he's the Hebrew of Hebrews. The Pharisee, he's blameless. He's keeping the law to the T. In fact, we find that our first introduction to Paul who is Saul at the time, Who is that he's giving basically permission for them to stone Stephen, a born-again Christian, a man who is filled with faith and the Holy Ghost, a man who is doing signs, wonders, and miracles. He, he's, he's given permission for him to be executed. They put the, their coats, the men who stoned Stephen to death had their coats at Paul's feet. So he was zealous. He was a man of consequence, a man who was strong, a man who was proud. But then he was called. Because this same Paul, you see, was such a zealot. He went to the leaders and he had warrants. And he had permission to go to Damascus. And and it was to go and get Christians, anybody, man, woman, child, anybody who professed the Lord, to bring them back for them to stand trial and suffer consequences. We know that on the road to Damascus, that's when Jesus introduced himself to Paul in a very mighty way. Light so bright, and it knocked Paul down to the ground. And it knocked him down, and when it knocked him down, the Lord starts to speak to him. Now again, I want to speak to you out of Acts 26, because this is Paul's own confession about what happened. I heard a voice speak to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's 26.14, Acts 26.14. And this, is, this was interesting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So listen, this is Jesus. Jesus knocks Paul down. The light is so bright, it blinds Paul. He's blinded from that moment on. He's blinded and he hears the voice. And the voice says, why are you you persecuting me? He said, who are you? I'm Jesus. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. What is that? It's like a cattle prod. 
So, so they would use it for oxen, and they still use cattle prods and things today. You want to get the ox to move or to, to go a certain way, you stick them with a pointy stick. And so, you know, if the cattle it, or the ox wants to kick against it, he's going to get injured. So that kind of directs and leads them. So now this is Jesus telling Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. When I read that, there's so many things we can get out of this, and I think all are valid and all are applicable. Number one being, you know what, Paul? This is going to happen. This is going this way. You're, you're not going to be able to stop this. As hard as you are trying to kill the church, you're not going to be able to do it. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So in a real general way, if Paul refused his call, the Lord would have picked somebody else. Because Paul still had the opportunity to say no. He still had the freedom to choose, didn't he? Amen? Just like, listen, I, want to, I know this is repetition for you, but I want you to know that this is very important to all of us. To all of us. We have choices that we have to make, and God did not call us and make us his robots. Sometimes I wish he would have. I really do. I wish he would have taken all the choice away from me. Heck, it took me a month to pick the desk for my office. But, but, but are you with me? So, so watch. Even Jesus had a choice. Even Jesus had a choice. When he was in that garden, he prayed, if there's another way to do this, let this cup pass from me. But here's what he said. Nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. Nevertheless, if this is the way it has to be, Lord, God, Father, then this is the way I'll, I'll do it. So Paul had the choice as well. So isn't it hard for you, Saul, to kick against the prod? Isn't it hard for you? <clears throat> yeah, because this is going to happen whether you do it or not. This is going to happen. The church is going to come into its fullness. You're not going to be able to stop it. But what about on a personal level? This is what I really considered. What about on a personal level? What, 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 I really believe in my heart that he was zealous for God in, in truth, not just going uh, according to what his tradition was, not just, well, my father was a Pharisee, so now I'm going to be a Pharisee, and I'm going to do it like my father did it, and you know the, the leaders say it should be done this way, and just, that's just the way I'm going to do it. Whatever comes down off the, uh, the, you know, the high priest's desk, uh, that's the memo that I'm going to follow. No, I really do believe that Saul, Paul, was truly uh, intent on serving God in truth with his heart. And I really do believe that somewhere along the line here, he's see, he, even though he's persecuting the church, he's seeing Jesus. He's, he's seeing something, and it starts to bother him. I really believe this. Now, I'm not telling you, thus saith the Lord. I'm saying, I really believe that when this scripture, when I read this scripture, and, and I hear the Lord saying, it's hard for you to kick against the goats, that something is prodding him. Something is pro- and so I think it's it, it, Jesus is he's seeing Jesus in these Christians who he's he's executing and, and persecuting and he, and he sees somebody he was there when Stephen a man filled with faith and filled with the Holy Ghost doing signs and wonders that cannot be denied he hears there's no question he may have heard exactly what came out of Stephen's mouth and when the things that came out of Stephen's mouth were right out of Judaism 
right out of their law, right out of their prophets, when he's saying and he's linking Abraham to Moses, to David, to Solomon, to Jesus, something must have been bothering him. It's hard for you to kick against the prods, isn't it? But he had great intentions. He was serving God. He had great intentions. He was serving God. After all, he loved God, right? Wrong. Great intentions don't get us there. See, and that's why it's so important that when we hear God calling us, even as just born-again Christians, we say, well, you know, God has called me, and um, you know, so now all I got to do is profess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and, you know, and I'm saved. Does it say that? Yes, but it also says believe in your heart. You know, it's not just the confession that you make, but it's what you actually believe in your heart. If your confession lines up with what's in your heart, then you're saved. And if what's in your heart is real, if you really do regard Jesus as the Lord of your life, then I'm going to say his words, not mine. If you love me, you will do what I ask you to do. That's it. And so my brothers and sisters, you know, I have great, I, I was raised in a, in, a, in a religion or in a doctrine that, that kind of taught me, you know, basically the good outweighs the bad and I go make it to confession once in a while. I, I do this, I do that. You know, I, I got a chance. But see, it, it doesn't matter what I think or what the, the Pope or any other uh, human being thinks. What matters is what thus saith the Lord. And so I know you know this. I, I know you do. But even me just saying it, doesn't it make you think a little bit about some of the things that we've, you know, we've in, you know even though we've th- we say we love the Lord and, and we want to serve him, but you know, we know that there's other things that we should be doing and we're not. Or there's things that we shouldn't be doing, and we are. You see, but, but, my, but he knows I love him, and I, and I really want to do good, and, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, good. Then, then, then you have to do this. First thing you need to do is make sure that the, defini- the definition of good is from him and not from the culture. Right? That's the first thing we have to do. Because, again, you know, even some folks in the culture have great intentions, very good intentions. Do this, do that, do the other thing. And, and they seem good, but that doesn't mean that it's God. We studied today, together John Bevere's teaching, Good or God. It's awesome, awesome teaching. But my brothers and sisters, that's the thing we have to understand, that he's God, I'm not. And if I love him, and if I really go to him, and my intention is to really be his servant, to really follow after him, then I have to know, and I, well, no, let me say it this way. Then I have to really trust and give him the throne of my heart. I truly have to have my life guided by him and not my own good intentions. Are you with me? And does that sound harsh? Give me some feedback here. Does that sound harsh? I didn't think so either. And I, and I don't want in any, any way, well, you know, we've got all these rules and regulations on us because that's what turns so many people off. Because you know, a guy like me inevitably gets into a pulpit and says this, this, and that, and blah, blah, blah. Here's the rules. Here's the regulations. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you don't do. And people walk away. Hmm. And you know, I'm, I'm not going to go back. No, God, see, that, that's not the way it is. You know, if you really love God and you're really going after God, if you really want to live your life according to the one who created everything, then all you have have to do is go to Christ. 
link up with Christ. He says, listen, put my yoke upon you. Yoke up with me. And he doesn't give you a whole list of do's and don'ts and then says, boop, okay, let's see how you do. I'll come back for you someday. He, he doesn't do that. He gives us an, an instruction manual that's not more than, man, I, I had to put together some of these, uh, let's see. Lately, we, we redid our office at the house. So I got to put some stuff together, which I love. <laughs> and I follow these instructions, and the instructions aren't very good. At least in my mind, they're not. And I, I had Michelle proofread one of them. She the, the this big beanbag chair that we got for the kids. So we put this thing. You know, I, I take it out of the package, wrap it very gingerly, and then it, it in in the directions. I'm not kidding you. In the directions, there's a double negative. And so I'm thinking, okay, did somebody just make a mistake here? Was this printed or written in another country? And so they translate it in the best English that they can. You know, is this a, is this a Chinese thing? And they just put it in English the best way they knew how. I'm trying. To, they, they put a double negative in here. So what do I do? And so what I'm, so my you know my intentions were good. And so I thought what I did that was was supposed to be done. But just let me say it this way: You're not going to be able to get the total picture, but I'm going to tell you. Anyway, I'm going to try my best to communicate this where you can get it. This is a big beanbag chair, the biggest beanbag chair I've ever seen in my life. So it comes all compressed. Yeah, you guys will see it. It comes all compressed. And so they say you got to cut it loose. So I, I cut it loose. But the th- now it fits into this zippy cover thingy. Watch out for those technical terms. That wasn't in the directions, by the way. I'm just saying. So it fits in the, this, this cover, and it's, you know, it unzips you. So I un do the thing, I set it loose, I go in the room a few hours later, and it's like the blob, it's just growing. What was that movie? Was ever, you remember that movie? What was that? Was it the blob? Yeah, this that thing is just is growing. And now I'm starting to get a little worried, because if that thing keeps growing, I ain't getting into that zippy thing, you know what I'm saying? And so I, then I wasted all that money, or whatever the case may be. Or I, so I'm having these weird pictures. So I said, well, we better put it in the zippy thing right now, otherwise we ain't getting it. But see, look, that could have been the plan all along, but I didn't do it. My intentions were good. But because I didn't understand the directions, but because I didn't understand the directions or I didn't read them all, something bad <laughs> happened. I avoided disaster by monitoring the situation and then look back at the directions. Are you with me? Now, I know that there are some men in here who understand exactly what I'm talking about, because when we look at the directions, we kind of halfway read them and then wing it, baby. You don't got to be a brain surgeon to figure that out. I only ended up with a few extra screws. <laughs> I remember one time I put something together, and we're trying to sell it, by the way, so if you want an armoire, we're selling one. <laughs> when I put this thing together, it was years ago, and I'm looking at the directions, and I'm following, and it looks plain to me. About mm, two-thirds through it, I had to take it apart. Why? I did something wrong. But it looked right. It was, I'm telling you, Nyla, it was right. It was their fault. Sound familiar? See, I read, I read to a certain point. But the right side and the left side, there was a little bit of a difference there. And so in order to get, so now I'm two-thirds through it, but in order to get to that next level, in order to get that ne- next piece to fit, it depended on how it was put together to that point. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. See, I want to get to that next level, you see. But because I had some, I operated under some good intentions, 
but not what thus saith the Lord. I can't get to that next level. Oh, boy. Come on now. See, and that's what happened to me when I put that darn silly thing together. By the way, if you want to buy it, don't worry. I took it apart. I fixed it. It's great. (laughs) Hallelujah. So, anyway, he had great intentions. Now, Paul is now, remember the situation. Paul is blind. He's knocked to the ground. He's talking to Jesus. And now, okay, so now he has to be literally, he has to be helped up. And he's been given instructions to go into the city. So now he has to be helped up and and taken into the city. And he's told that there's a man. You see, there's a man, Ananias. He's going to help you. He's going to... And and this man, Ananias, he's he's a Jew, but he's a devout Christian. And this man, Ananias, is getting a vision. At the same time this is happening to, to Paul, Ananias is getting a vision. He's not just hearing a voice, but he's getting in a vision, and he's being told, you need to go here, you need to lay hands on him, you need to do these things. Now, Ananias, is, you know, guys, those of you who have been in the Scriptures for a long time, Ananias knows who Saul is. Saul is a person of consequence, as we've already studied. And so now the Lord is telling him, go into this city, you go here, and you lay hands on him, and, you, and he said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Lord. Wait a minute, is, is this the guy that's bringing great harm to your people? I've heard about this guy. I've also heard that this guy has warrants for some arrests in this town. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> you know, I could just imagine. Uh, are you sure? I'm gonna put, I would have did the Gideon thing. I would have thrown a fleece out there. Okay, Lord, if you want me to go see him, make it. <laughs> but he doesn't. He hears from the Lord, he see, and, he, and, he, and he does. But you know what? Simultaneously... The Lord is also showing Saul he can't see. Remember, he's blind, but it says that he, he sees a vision as well. My brothers and sisters, this is an awesome thing, and we're going to look at Acts right now. This is what the Lord responds to Ananias when he says, oh, wait a minute now, this guy. The Lord says to him in verse 15 of Acts 9, but the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Suffering? I'm in, Lord. I'm first online. So do, do you understand? Do you see? He's a person of, of consequence. He's, he's, he's gone all to the, he's the best city, the best college. He's, he's a citizen of Rome. He's doing good. There's no question that he's so well off. But now he's blinded and the Lord is telling him, this is what's going to happen. I need you to go and you're going to be my representative. You're going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to kings. You're going to preach the gospel and you're going to suffer for my name's sake. I'm telling him the things that he's going to suffer for my name's sake. How many of us would choose that? There's so many in the church today and still being told that when you come to Jesus, everything's hunky-dory. It's not. Not. Something happens on the inside of me. That's, that's the change. The thing around you is probably not going to change. What changes what's in you? and how you deal with what's around you. Your purpose is different. Saul was doing, man, everything that he knew was right in his life and was 
Listen, and it wasn't one of those deals where he was doing things right and he was suffering negative consequences. He wasn't. He was doing things that he thought was right and he was still a very respected and prominent man. He was given authority even by the leaders of his society. He was probably admired. He was well off and well to do. But now this happens to him. Paul was blinded so that he could see. Paul had to be blinded so that he could see. Uh, You know, um, we're so moved by what we see. We're so, we, you know, if we look at something long enough, man, it has an effect on us, positive and negative. Some of the decisions, a lot of the decisions that we make are based on what we see. Right? You know, Michelle, um, a bunch of years ago, got a load of me, and that was it. She knew. And the rest is history. And Rachel, you should be very thankful for that. There'd be no Rachel. Or Addison or Eleni. So you need something. No, but see, we're motivated and we're moved by what we see. So Paul had to be blinded so that he could see what God wanted him to see. Not only that, so now he's humbled because now he's blind. He actually has to be led. This, this powerful, prominent man now is depending on people who were serving him. He's depending on them to guide him into this town. He can't go forward until someone helps him. Come on now. Hallelujah. That's an awesome, awesome thing. People had to lead him. And Ananias, a person that he doesn't know, has to lay hands on him so that he can receive his sight. So now look, the very people that he was going to persecute, he's now depending on to help him. He's humbled. He's humbled this this powerful man. He also found out that through that situation with Ananias, he also found out, hey, I'm not the only one that God talks to like that. Think about that. When Ananias went to him, he said, listen, this is what Jesus said to you. And yeah, just like that. I'm the one he sent. Come on now, read it. So now Paul, this great, powerful man, Paul, this person of consequence, this person who has a strong zeal in his heart to serve the Lord, is now humbled. And depending on the very people he was persecuting. He had to be baptized. He was baptized by Ananias. Again, someone who he was there to persecute. He had to be baptized. Why did he have to be baptized? The new life. The new life. Saul had to die so that Paul could live. Amen? He had to receive the Holy Spirit. He spoke to Jesus. Jesus was speaking with him. He was speaking. And it says very plainly, 
that he had to receive the Holy Spirit. When Ananias laid hands on him, he had to receive the Holy Spirit. So, man. So now this man, great lineage, respected community, great social standing, high education, highly educated. He's, he's, he's a person of authority, and he has great intentions, but he had to be made blind to see and to receive the calling. What about me? What about us? What does that say to me? See, I have to watch what I'm, what I'm, what I'm focusing on. What has my attention? What is my heart directing my eyes to and what are my eyes putting into my heart? Man, that's not a, you know, I, I know that's not exciting. We want to, you know, uh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But see, but that's what this boils down to. This man was, this man had it all. He had it all. So we spend so much time and so much energy and so much effort looking at things. How can we be more popular among our peers? How can we get more money? How can we make more money? You know, highly educated. I'm not saying that it's wrong to be highly educated at all. Shoot, I, I, I'm not. It's, man, I'm, I'm for, all for education. But my brothers and sisters, you know, those aren't the things, I mean, if we're looking to change our status here on earth and that's our goal and that's our focus, we're not going by the call of God. We're not, we're not walking according. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to Christians. So now, even now, some of you are having problems paying attention. Why is that? Well, what time is it? Is it almost, you know, lunchtime? What am I going to do after the service? Why? Why is that? Is, is, is that more important than, than maybe hearing something that the Lord might change your mind, your heart about something? Am I, am I just not communicating properly? What is it? What is it? See, if, you commit, if you're really looking for God, you will find him. If you really want the truth, you'll get it. But if you don't, if your heart is half in, half out, then you're going to be like Saul when he was blinded. Okay, now what? And see, here's the thing. You're depending on people and you're depending on philosophies and things like that. You're depend- you see, you think that you're independent. You think that you're going you know, uh, to the beat of your drum, but you're not. You're not. You're being led. What are you being led by? I'm, I'm me. No one tells me what to do. No. No, you're being influenced. You're being influenced. What are you being influenced by? People spend millions and millions and millions of dollars for advertising. What's that all about? They do studies on what colors attract people so they know how to put ads and stuff like this. Why? To influence you, to get you to make decisions a certain way. Isn't that correct? There's a competition for your heart, for your mind, for your soul. 
My brothers and sisters, this is about getting us together, having the Lord minister to us so that we could become more focused on the truth because the church is supposed to be the pillar and the ground for the truth. Right? Okay, so now look, I'm giving you truth. Some of you, you're not really turned on by it, but I'm telling you, listen, just hear this, okay? Hear this. The things that you think are important They're going to burn. If the Lord comes back while I'm still alive, hallelujah, I'm going to be with him. Are you? And if you say yes, okay, based on what? If you die before the Lord comes back, where will you be? I don't know. Do you want to know? I know. Well, who are you? I'm just somebody who knows what this says. And the same thing that's available to me is available to you. And so, my brothers and sisters, this is not about, I don't want to be uh, fear-mongering. I don't want to, no. But the fact of the matter is, it is a choice. This is life and death. So now, if I don't do anything but convince my family, hallelujah, hallelujah. If I don't do anything but convince some people around me, hallelujah. Who are you convincing? Do you need to be convinced? Uh, man, it's, man, all of a sudden this got heavy. No, no, this, 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 is, this is easy. My yoke is easy, he says. My burden is light. You know, come unto me, all you who are uh, heavy laden burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, right? God says, look, hey, let's, let's, let's you and I, yeah, I've quoted it before, but let, let's you and I work this out. Come, though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. See, that's, that's our God. And, and see, so, so when I come down and, and I'm saying these truths and maybe you're, you're, it's, you know, you're losing interest, you're, you're starting to get a little bored, you're chit-chatting a little bit or whatever, you, man, don't, don't, don't let what's out there or in here that's got nothing to do with your eternity influence you, steer you, guide you. Don't, don't. Man, hear my heart this morning, Please. This man had everything and found out when he was blind he had nothing. Do you have to be blinded? Does the Lord have to make me blind in order to see his truth? Does the Lord have to make me blind to get my attention, to to take my attention away from the things that are, 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 are just totally meaningless, totally are, are here today and literally could be gone tomorrow. Should I? Be? No, thank God he doesn't do that. Here's what he does. He's given me his word and his spirit. He's given me other people of God to associate with, to assemble with, to have fellowship with. He's, he's given some people talents. He's given some people some, he's called people to certain ministries which help me to see him which helped me to go in the, uh, the direction of the eternal. Because why? I'm called to eternity. I'm called to holiness, separate 
I'm called to be sanctified, set apart. And I have all of these things, all of these gifted people and all of these called people to help me. So there are as many distractions that the enemy of our soul has, as many distractions as this world has, God has given me so many other things that I could focus in on and look at, have fellowship with, right? Be edified by. And you are included in that. You are included in that. So Paul, who is this unbelievable human being, he would be successful, he would be on the road to success, he would be uh, sought after as a major CEO if you were going to look at it from theirs and our culture, our society, their society. This guy is everybody's superstar. Everybody's. But now all of a sudden he's depending on everybody else, the people he was persecuting. But now here again, back to Philippians 3. I'm going to end it here. Philippians 3, verse 7. This is Paul's own confession. But what things were gained to me, when he's saying what things are, he's saying the things, listen, the things that were valuable to me, these things I count as lost. I, I give them up. I gladly turn my back on them. I give them up. These things that were so valuable to me, I gladly give them up. Listen, and, and yet I indeed also count all things loss or worthless for the excellency of knowing Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I've given up all things to know Christ, and I count those things as dung. You can't get very more descriptive in Scripture than that. Do you hear what this man is saying? All of those things that were so highly valued, all of those things of influence, all of those things that mattered in this culture, in this society, that all human beings in my culture would aspire to, I count that crap. He just said that from the pulpit? Yes, I did. Do you understand? That's exactly what he just said. I count all of those things that way. that I may gain Christ, hallelujah, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness is which is from God by faith, that I may know him, who? Christ. In the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. When, is he saying, I hope that I'm crucified just like he was? Is that what he said? No? Keep it up. I'm going to stay here for another hour. Is that what he said? No. No. I want to be crucified. No. I have to kill my own flesh. Those things that used to be the things that were everything to me, they're garbage now. That old life, that old way, that's gotta, that's, I'm, I'm dead to that. I've got to be dead to that. If I'm not dead to that, I can't live in Christ. I'm attaining to that. I'm gaining Christ. I've got to die to that and live to that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's what we need to do, my brothers and sisters, but we don't want to do it. Can I have one foot in and one foot out? There's a book. 
It's called Revelation. Read what he said to the church at Laodicea. You're not hot or cold. You're straddling the fence. And because you're straddling the fence, because you're not hot or cold, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Wow, you, again, how much more can, language can we get out of the Bible? You're so very plain. Man, oh man, we can't, we can't get any plainer than that. I don't want to be on the fence. I don't want to be on the fence. How about you? I don't want to be taking any chances. Well, I can have one foot in, one foot out. I could kind of have half. I could have the good life here, and then I could. Yeah, you can have a good life here. He promises you a good life here. He promises you. And you know what his good life is? His good life is this. His good life is you don't have to worry about how much money you're making. It doesn't matter if you got that promotion or not. You're still, you could still be happy. You could still have what you need. No matter what you, man, it's going to happen for you because why? You're in me. And in me, you have everything you need. You don't have to depend on somebody else, another human being. You don't have to suck up to that boss so you get the next promotion. I'm talking real right now. I know you don't want to hear it, but it's the truth. You don't have to suck up. You don't have to watch the words that come out of your mouth just because you do have to watch them because he's listening. But you don't have to go ahead and, and, and test every little thing because this person right here who you're dependent on, then all of a sudden, zip, boom, bop. It does not. Well, I, I got to act a certain way around these people and a certain way around that people. Boy, how terrible that must be. I feel sorry for you. Uh, that would wear me out. It would wear me out. I better stay in good with this person. This is my meal ticket. Or if I want to have a relationship with this person, I need to go ahead and, and do this thing. I need to go ahead and act this way. Even though it might violate my conscience in a certain way. I, I, it's, you know, I, I could... No, you got to die to that. Live to Christ. And because, listen, because in him, he's guaranteeing you that you're going to have everything that you need. And here's what happens. You've heard me say it before, but you don't try it. There's some of you who don't believe it. You don't try it. Listen, if you will follow him, if you will follow him, you may not get everything you want now, but when you follow him, you'll have everything that you need and the things that you, listen, that you thought you needed, you'll know you don't need them anymore. And the things that you have because of the joy on the inside of you, you'll be, fa- you'll be satisfied. The things that didn't make you happy will make you happy. The things that made you happy will make you sad. Why? Your focus will be totally different. Totally different. Hallelujah. That's how Jesus can say something that's so ridiculous to me on the surface and, and just absolutely flies in the face of the prosperity messages that we hear today. You know, what did he say? You know, he said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be trouble in this world. But be happy. Be of good cheer. Right? Jesus, are you kidding me? You're telling me in advance? You told Paul in advance the things that he's going to have to suffer for you? And he said, I'm in? Jesus, are you kidding me? You're telling me you know, uh, that you know, I'm going to have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer, be happy? Are you kidding me? How can I be happy? You just said I'm going to have trouble. Because I've overcome the world. So in me, you're an overcomer. All of those things that make you unhappy, they've already been put under my feet and yours, by the way, when you're in me. Automatically, they're put under your feet. But see, here's the thing. If I'm living half in, half out, I can't experience that joy 
in the middle of trouble. I, I'm going to make some bad decisions and, and chase that wrong uh, relationship or, or you know, tr- you know, try to be friends with this one or that one or the other one because ultimately I can gain from that. I don't, I don't need any of that. All right. I, I'm <laughs> Hallelujah. I see Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who started off persecuting the church, killing the body of Christ. Paul turned into one of the mightiest men that God ever used, who started off a mighty man. But if Paul would have denied Christ, guess what? That mighty man would have died and left everything he was and everything he had on earth. And he would have died in sins and trespasses and he would be in hell. So instead, that mighty man, that powerful man, that man that had everything, had his spiritual eyes opened and gave all that up in his own words for the excellency of knowing Christ. Amen? Stand with me, please.